Hey, this is Gail Nelson, President and CEO of Big Brothers Big Sisters Miami, the host of The Game of Life, where everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. Welcome to The Game of Life. I am like a kid in a candy store today. Back in the studio, Game of Life, second season mentoring podcast after a short break. Here we are, season two, and we can't kick things off as we move forward without going back. We go back with an alumni big brother. I'm happy to have in the studio today, Mr. John Gentile, alumni big brother, big brothers, big sisters of Miami. John, thank you for your service as a big brother. But not only that, welcome to the game of life here in 2019 in this beautiful studio. Welcome, John. Gail, thank you. It's a pleasure for me to be here. It really is. It is an honor to be with you, and we had a few technical difficulties, and we enhanced, upgraded our equipment, so hopefully I don't break the screen, uh, and so uh, whatever they need to do, filters and all of that, but now we're pleased to be back in the studio. Shout out to Lodgy and Karina and Irie Foundation for just making it happen. Incredible partnership. We make beautiful music together. Here we are, Game of Life, Season 2, Part 2, and... John, I, wanted, I want our listening audience to understand, when I say alumni big brother, and we'll get into the big brother's piece in a minute, but I want people to understand who's sitting in these chairs, whether it's corporate leaders, philanthropists within our community, but you are just a, you're a, such a gentle, sweet soul who wants to help and who has clearly helped a young man in this community. So tell us a little bit about John Gentile and what you've done and who you are. Thank you. Well, <clears throat> I'm a Miami native uh, since I'm three years old. I went to um, school here, graduated Carl Gables High School, went to Miami-Dade. Uh, then I went to chiropractic college in Indianapolis, Lincoln Chiropractic College. I graduated in 1971. Let me just pause right there because I, I've been calling you just John Gentile, John <laughs> Gentile. And you just said something about your bio that I want to make sure that this whole world understands. You're not just a sweet person with a gentle spirit, but you're a well-educated professional. Dr. John Gentile, my sincere no, apologies. No, not necessary, that's quite all right. Um, so when I graduated, yes, sir. I opened my practice in South Miami in 1972, hmm. where I practiced until 2014 when I sold my practice after 42 and a half years. Uh, and now I still go in, I do volunteer work, I. Um, I go in a few days a week and do acupuncture. I read for the blind on WLRN radio station. Awesome. Um, I volunteer with my men's club at St. John Newman. So I've always been a volunteer, but it's become more part of my life now since I retired from active practice. Well, thank you for your just, you've been straightening people up for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, my corny jokes just come <laughs> with the show as well, John. Uh, and so when did you first hear about Big Brothers Big Sisters? I thought about that <coughs> when we talked about that, and believe it or not, I remember. It was in 1973. Wow. I had graduated, and actually I was dating a girl okay. who said to me, she had two boys, 9 and 11, and she said, we're on a date. I have to get home because their big brothers have to pick them up tomorrow morning. I said, oh, they have brothers? She said, oh, no, it's Big Brothers Program. That's when I first became aware of it. it you know, cost her my brain at that time. I didn't think much of it, but I thought that was interesting. That was the first time I heard about it. And 1973. So that was 1973, 
And then five years later, mm. something magical happened. Tell us about it. You know how it takes a while for things to hit you? So Especially with guys. A, as time went on, you know, I had, I had been active in my career and I'd been professionally active and uh, been in the JCs. And this just kept circulating in my brain. Big Brothers, what is that all about? Well, maybe I should call them. And in 1978, I did. I called him and I said, how do I become a big brother? And that started the process in 1978. So it took me a little while, but, you know, as they say, I like to say, y you can find a million reasons not to do something. You just need one good reason to do it. Absolutely. And the good reason was this is about time. I should do it. And so often people put off. I mean, if you really ask people, you know, I need to exercise. I want to eat better. All the things we just continually put off that we know and understand that it can add value to our lives, it can enhance our lives. And so, and so as I think about 1973 when you first heard about it, 1978 when you did something about it, but let's drill down a little further, uh, John, as we look at September of 1978, something even more magical happened. Talk to me. That was a match that mm. was made with Scott, you know, after the interview process that I went through, which of course is not as sophisticated as it is now. There wasn't <laughs> all this electronic. There wasn't emails. There wasn't computers. Went through an email, and um, they matched us, and they said, we think we have somebody for you. He's, uh, you know, they asked me, how old do you want? Right. And what kind of qualifications? And I said, I think I want somebody about eight or nine years old. And so they called me and said, we have someone, Scott Frederick. He's nine, and would you like to meet him? Okay, so it's a little nervous for both of us. It was a Saturday morning, mm. and I remember I walked in, and he was on the floor and doing something with uh, coloring or drawing or erect or something, and uh, uh, um, she said to Scott, I don't remember her name, she said, Scott, what would you like to do with your big brother if John's your big brother? And he said, I'd like to build a desk. Now, I'm not the handiest person. <laughs> You might have said, I'd like to fly to the moon. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, my God, what did I get myself into? I can't build a desk. Well, we started slowly. We went to this aquarium. We went to the movies. We did a lot of things like that. We played catch, and we became very close. And you know what, Gail? We never built a desk. <laughs> now, I'm just, let's go back on that. <laughs> so a typical nine-year-old that's you know, with crayons and drawing or erector sets and all that other stuff, I mean, that says something. We're going to talk a little bit more about your little brother, but – when you think about what do you want to do with your big brother, let's build a desk. Right. That's not a typical response from a nine-year-old. And I didn't, I didn't know any nine-year-olds. Wow. I mean, I had a, a niece and nephew, and they were maybe <laughs> f three or four. Yeah. So this was my first time dealing with someone of that age. Right. And um, I said, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? It turns out, as we'll talk later, he turns to be – he, he he's likes that sort of stuff. Well, that, that's where we're right. going. We're going. But but I was very nervous. It turned out that we did other things, but that was what he had wanted to do in the beginning, and I was a little nervous. Uh, and I said to the, our social worker afterwards, she said, don't let that bother you. You'll right. work yourself through it, and you'll figure out what to do. I'm and glad he didn't say happened. he wanted to go to the moon. but you uh, know Really, or build a rocket ship. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me tell you something, and here's the message. And just We're here with Dr. John Gentile, alumni big brother on the Game of Life Mentoring Podcast, where everybody makes the team, but how you play is up to you. One of the things that's so important if you dream it, you can achieve it. And what our kids, although it may not be normal, although it may not be the norm, I should say, uh, more appropriately put, it may be something we don't expect. But our kids have hopes mm -hmm. and dreams. They can do anything. 
they set their mind to doing. And so if you're listening this morning, this afternoon, this evening, whatever time you listen to this podcast, the time to do something is right now. And so we're going because you're about to hear what this little nine-year-old boy envisioned, wanted to do with his big brother. We're going to find out what he's doing in just a minute to some extent. Uh, and 305-644-0066, call in, say, I want to make a change. I want to help build uh, our community as a big brother or a big sister. Everybody can do something. So, John, let's go back to uh, now back to our regularly scheduled programming, okay. if you will. If we think about that little brother who wanted to build a desk, how old is your little brother now? He's 50. <laughs> your little brother's 50 years 50. old now. He's a grown yeah. man. Now watch this. Let me ask you a couple. This is a speed round. Is he gainfully employed? Yes. You don't have to disclose where and all that other yes. stuff. Very, but very much so. Very yes. much, yeah. ga- very yeah. much gainfully. We're gonna yeah. leave it at that. Okay. Uh, and out on the West Coast, I think something He's like in that. Livermore, California. Livermore, California. Uh, productive member society. Very much so. Yes. Yes. Uh, and so, to talk about your conversations and to whatever extent you're comfortable and willing to share, just what your little brother's doing now and how that relationship continues to uh, be reinforced. It grew over the years. Yes. I stayed with him, of course, all the way through high school. We Incredible. were matched. Uh, he went to college, and we still became close. He, Where did he go to school? He, he graduated from Cornell. Okay. And he hmm. got a master's uh, in electrical engineering from Central Florida, a bachelor's in physics, way over, and hence, we talk about the desk, okay? I mean, you could see where mm, he was going with but this. But where did that start? Look at that. Well, uh, you know, wow. I, I'd like to think something from that. Uh, he, I can tell you, he works for Sandia National Labs, which is a, um, a government facility under the Department of Energy. Hmm. And when I did see him, and I just saw him in Livermore, by the way, about a month ago. I was out there for a wedding, and we spent a couple of days together. And uh, we talked a little bit. He can't tell me a lot of what he does. Sure. It's a lot of high clearance, but... This is from, he's been there for almost uh, 20 years. Incredible. Uh, um, <clears throat> and we've maintained that close relationship even through college. There were some bumps, which we can talk about, but sure. we were always there for each other, and him, I was for him when he needed me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And let's, as we think about this span of time, from age 9 to now he's 50. So for 41 years, <laughs> four decades and some change, you have this big brother, little brother relationship. And we oftentimes talk about what mentoring does for the child. Mm -hmm. People sign up, you signed up to help a kid. But John, what has being a big brother done for you? You know, it's a good question. And we talked about that when I looked at some of the questions. And I didn't really know, Gail. I was 20... Oh, 25 or 26 at the time. I hadn't really volunteered much. I had been in the JCs. Right. This was my first opportunity to mentor. Me- and I didn't even know what that meant at that time. There wasn't <laughs> many of those projects here in Miami. Sure. And then I realized it was to help be a part of someone's life. And that's what I was. So it helped me to think about what could I do to help Scott? What about if he needed me? And you know, Sometimes there were years he really didn't. He was fine, and then something would happen. He would, he would get hurt or something. As he got into high school, there were other problems, and I'm glad I was there. Yes. To to uh, you know to be part of his life because he didn't have that male influence at the time. Uh, 
at that time, you know, his father left him when he was two. Okay. So he had no male influence in his life, and I was his male influence. So I think I provided that to him, and he provided to me that feeling of what I'm doing <coughs> to help somebody, which I felt very wonderful about. And then as time went on, he actually became not so much my little brother as part of my family. <laughs> when I introduce him now and they say, how do you know Scott? It's kind of hard to say, well, he's my little brother. Oh, what does that mean? So I said, no, he's just... I've known Scott for many years, is the way I say it when I introduce him. If they ask us how did we know each other, we might say it's from Big Brothers, Little Brothers, yeah. Well, he's family. He is, very much so. And I'll help you with that messaging, so when the next time you're he's like, he's just family. Yes, he is, and he stayed <laughs> with us and our family. He's Beautiful. painted the inside of our house, and he's helped me with my computer, so yeah, he's, he's family, exactly right. Not only will Scott get a copy of this podcast, but we're gonna ha- we will have Scott here, oh, great. He, w- whether it's via telephone, uh, out in California, or uh, just when he's in town and visiting South Florida, having both of you in the studio together. Great. Let's talk about the relationship a little bit. You alluded to it. Uh, and again, share what you feel comfortable sharing. But uh, I want people to understand that mentoring, is just like any relationship, any friendship, is not void of challenges, obstacles. Uh, you know, especially from a nine year old going through adolescence, uh, and then, of course, those formative years, if you, if you will. Uh, what are some of the challenges you and Scott experienced? How did you get through it? Well, uh, first of all, I, I tell people you have to be consistent. Yes. I was there every week. That's awesome. Rain or shine, I was there. I would always call it to get together. Um, I guess one of the biggest challenges we had was when he was I- in high school at yes. Killian. He was, um, you know, riding on the back of a motorcycle, mm. doing about 100 miles an hour. Oh. And it wiped out and oh. wound up tearing his leg up and getting some pins in his ankle and I was his mother was there but I was there for him and worked him through it you know thank God it was nothing more than that you know it was just with a bad actor that was on the motorcycle right and um, but he got through that he lost his pole vaulting career that was a challenging for us Um, what was the other challenging thing I can tell you this as I like to say Uh, it was across from Miami Dade maybe he was about 17 and I just happened to be outside of a 7-eleven and I saw him walk out and you know what was in his hand, a six-pack of beer. And you just happened to be in the area? Yes. So Big Brother was watching. I just I had mean, to do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. What do I say? What do I do? How do oh I confront him? man. What would you do? Well, I thought about it, spoke to my wife, and I spoke to his mother, and I just confronted him. I said, Scott, you know, I saw that. Um, I don't tell me why. What's your reasoning? Oh, well, you know, my friend bought it. And sure. 17-year-old kid. Yeah, my friend bought it. He was 18 at the time, and he bought it. I said, well, you know, Scott, you're not supposed to do that. That was my uh, challenge. What do I didn't have any kids at that time. What, right. what do I say? What do I say? Hey, you know, do I be a heavy? I just said, you need to be careful. I don't want you to get in trouble. If you have any questions, come talk to me. Sure. If you want to know something about it, come talk to me. We'll talk through it. And that, thank God, that, that passed. But that no, was a challenge. that's wonderful. Right. Now, it's that. interesting. Now, I just have to ask, were you, did you work in the area? We just, I mean... I think I was out with my wife. I don't know. We were going to a pizza place. It was right behind uh, Miami-Dade. And right. And he had walked out of there. And it was just, the, what are the odds of that, Gail? Ex- that's my point. What are the odds of that? I was going to a pizza place, and there he came out. He didn't see me. I was in the car. It's from a distance. But he came out with another guy, and they had a six. I knew it was a six-pack of beer. You could see it. Maybe right. the other guy b- bought it because he might have been a year or two older, but Scott was carrying it. That's yeah, association. So, yeah. Um, th- that was a challenge, but it worked through it. And that's the thing. You don't know... What's going to happen? When you mentor kids, you have no idea what's going to happen. You're getting to know them. They're getting to know you. Right. And it's interesting. And Scott and I have this in common. My parents, uh, I mean, my dad left when I was two years old as well. Uh, yes. And so, again, just the, the art of conversation. When we first met 
uh, John, uh, you know, I guess it's been quite a few months now uh, from this point. Uh, but the more you talk to people, the more you get to know. Fancy that, right? Right. Uh, but not only that, you find out there's so many things we have in common. As we talk about just relationships in 2019, in this age of social media, I use it all the time uh, as it relates to the art of conversation, but we never lose it. And so you and Scott got to know one another. Yeah, and I say to people, I say the worst thing you can do is to volunteer to be a big and then fall through. Thank and you. And don't follow through. These kids have had so many letdowns in their life. That's exactly right. And I was not Scott's first big brother, by the way. Okay. I was his second. He okay. was my first little. His his first big brother was married, and they moved away. Okay, which happens. Job, which yes. happens. But how does you tell that to an eight or nine year old? They kid? don't understand that. Here's this is somebody else that let me down. So right, right. dad, a two, and now here's my big brother, and um, he's moving, and he's moving right. with his family. I mean, uh, obviously that's an excused absence, but in the eyes of an eight year old, to your point, right, I'm let down it's again. It's a letdown. So I knew wow. when I started, and they said, you know, you got to be um, sincere. I yes. said, no, you, this is it for me. I'm not going anywhere. And so it, that's the only thing I say is be consistent. That's what these kids need is consistency in their life. Well, oh John, I tell you what, one of the things that's so impactful and impressive about what you have done and what you are doing, I want people to understand what John just said as it relates to mentoring. Their research has shown that it actually does harm to a child to have someone commit to him or her and then disappear. And so I think it's important uh, as opposed to having a, a mentoring relationship that lasts, and we ask people for a, a minimum of a year, mm -hmm. You just so you know, yes. you've exceeded that. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> Yes, and, that, and, and I think that's what they asked of me. We want sure. at least a year commitment until he's in high school, whatever the age was, That's 15, right. 16. I mean, obviously we've gone well beyond that. Right. But yes, they had said that to do that. So that you don't just, you can't pop in and out of these kids' lives. You gotta be there and be, be serious with them. No doubt about it. But now, John, I gotta ask you this. As an alumni big brother, and Scott, uh, whenever you listen to this, I wanna say to you, we're so proud of you as a little brother to be gainfully employed, uh, working for a big company, helping us uh, become more energy efficient, whatever you all do. <laughs> Uh, the educational ex uh, accomplishments, and as a here's a productive citizen yes. in our in our country, and so we commend little brother Scott. I'd be remiss if I didn't share that as well on this podcast. But John, you signed up in 1978. You got matched September of 1978. You've been consistent. You were consistently there for Scott as he was growing up, going through life, developing, maturing. You all still have that as two adult men, that relationship, uh, your family now. I want to go a little deeper on you. Who mentored you, uh, if you will? What did, and what did he or she teach you? Because clearly uh, you are a solid mentor, consistent, uh, caring, uh, providing that guidance and support uh, for your little brother. But who mentored you? Simple, my parents. Mm. And... and uh, my mother, especially, who was yes. there at the house as my father worked, okay. and she taught me how to be loyal mm. and honest mm. and committed. She used to say, when you give your word, you live up to your word. I remember her saying that. You give your word to do something, you live up to it. So my parents, I came from, I was lucky, a very good family. My parents were married for 59 years before Beautiful. my father passed away, and I learned that from them. And I, I think that's important, that, you, that gets instilled in you as you go up, and you see that and you know that. 
And that's who mentored me is my mother and my father, especially my mother as my father was working six, seven days a week. So uh, is it safe to say uh, your mom, you know, like you said, taught you that loyalty and being a man of your word? Uh, I'm sure your, your dad, uh, in terms of work ethic uh, as well, I mean, it's, talk to me about your dad. My father <coughs> was such a hard worker for his family. He worked yeah. six days a week as a hairdresser. Really? Yes, and it was a hard time back in the 50s and 60s in Miami. Wow. And he worked that. And so um, they instilled in me the value of work. No that doubt. I, that, you know, uh, I had to work, and I did. I started delivering papers when I was in 10th grade mm, in mm, high mm. school, and then I worked at Walgreens. And... Uh, you know, I went to college and I worked as a waiter. I knew that this is what I was supposed to do, and I didn't question it. I just did it. Yeah, was your dad an entrepreneur? No, he oh. worked. He didn't own his own shop. Oh, okay. He didn't own his own shop. Worked he in worked. a shop. Okay. He worked in a shop. Okay. And but he was consistent. He was always there. I could depend on him. He was reliable. He worked, and he provided for the family. And my mother was the one who took care of my sister and I when my dad was working. Here we are in the game of life, Dr. John Gentile, uh, alumni, big brother. Uh, who is absolutely positively making Miami a better place through his mentoring. And now his little brother, all grown up, Killian High School graduate. Shout out to Miami-Dade County Public Schools, yes. uh, Killian High School. I think they're the Cougars. I yes. get that, yeah. Is that right? Oh, my uh -huh. goodness. In fact, yeah. I know that mascot. Uh, yes. But shout out to the Cougars of Killian High School. We're going to send them this podcast as well because who knows, there may be another little brother, little sister at Killian who will grow up and be an uh, incredible leader in our community as well. But one of the things I want to say to you, John, as we think about mentoring, as we think about Big Brothers, Big Sisters here in 2019, give you some context. Back in 1978, probably 100 or so matches, and that's being generous. Mm -hmm. In 2019, this last fiscal year, fiscal year 2018, 2019, Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Miami served 2,115 uh, wow. littles in one-to-one -one mentoring relationships. Those relationships, for the benefit of our audience and your benefit, are in the school-to-work program. It's workplace mentoring. High school students go to uh, the corporate setting uh, one, uh, for once a month, four hours. Community-based bigs like you, uh, that's twice a month face-to-face. -face. Bigs in schools and sites where folks can mentor for one hour a week in an elementary, middle school, or even here at our Carnival Center for Excellence. So our menu of mentoring options has expanded. Mm. The number of kids we serve has exponentially grown. But also, let's say somebody, somebody wants to be an episodic volunteer. They can come here to the building. We call it group engagement and mentoring, gym. They can do some episodic mentoring, not take the kid anywhere, but stay here, whether it's public speaking or tutoring, just helping spending quality time with children in a safe, secure setting, you know, as well. So I wanted to share that with you that we've come a long way since 1978, and we've gotten there because of incredible alumni like you, John. Well, when I was here a few months ago, Gail was kind enough to show me around. I was just blown away by the facility and the programs that they have. Because remember, in 1978, it was just community-based one-on-one. That That's was right. it, period. And um, we didn't have all the electronics. You had to call your social worker on the phone, actually right. a landline, and talk to them. They would call you. So to see this happen is just, I think it's so wonderful. And as I said to you, Gail, when I, I said, I, we had a wonderful meeting, I said, I feel like I'm home. You are home. I feel like I'm home. You are home. And what, speaking of home, uh, welcome back. And, John, you are uh, one of our newest members of our Big Brothers, Big Sisters Alumni Association. Uh, and we still want to uh, 
involve you, engage you uh, in, in whatever level you see appropriate. But as, as an alumni big brother, as part of the Alumni Association, uh, what would you like to bring to the table uh, to assist this brand who's given so much to so many in this community? Well, I can bring in historical perspective yes. about how things were 40 years ago. I also believe that I can be involved in an outreach effort. When I was a big, I also served on the board, and they had a speakers bureau, and we used to go out and speak in those days yes. to organizations. And uh, I think that's critical to, to get the bigs out and to speak to them. Uh, also, um, the, the bigs would share information amongst themselves. So. I think in in that capacity, from a historical perspective, for example, John, how did you deal with this, or what happened? To, well, tell me how that happened. How did you deal with it, or how can we make an impact in these different areas? What can we do? Maybe I can lend something to that effort. I would be thinking more about that, but that's my initial thoughts. Right I think now. that's an excellent, and that's a value add. Let's say there's a this young man or young lady in college that signs up to be a big, and they have their little, and the littles go through. I mean, life happens, right? Uh, and so to having a resource like you that can say, hang in there. Right. Oh, you saw your little sister, your little brother walk around with a <laughs> six-pack of beer. Oh, hey, let right. me <laughs> hey, I was there. I was I there. I did that. <laughs> and, you know, they, they were <coughs> hanging out with the wrong crowd. And whatever the case may be, kids need the trusted friend and counsel. And, John, it has been such a pleasure, again, sitting and chatting with you. Uh, this podcast is created specifically to let people know uh, that there's some great people doing some incredibly big things through mentorship. It's a way to thank those who give of their time and of their resources to help support uh, matches as well. The cost of a match in 78 was a little cheaper yes, than it was I'm now. Sure. Let me ask you this trick, not a trick question, but I got to ask you this historically before we close the show, John. 1978, how much was a gallon of gas, give oh, or take? 27 you, cents. My goodness. How much was a gallon of milk, give or take? Yeah. Dollar maybe. My goodness. Very little. So we times could go to, have changed. We could go to a movies for a dollar fifty. Scott and I did in those days. You know, uh, wow. yes, things were very reasonable to do that. And one thing I wanted to add. Yes, please. Is that when th this was touching to me? Because you wonder, are you making an impact? So when Scott did his master's thesis in um, University of Central Florida in in um, electrical engineering, he thanked three people: his mother, his, his uh, advisor, and me. And that was probably the most touching part that I remember. That was the first thing that I had seen in that, okay, when he gave a copy of that. So, yes. That's how we close this show. That's how we drop the mic because if we, if you think you not, you're not making a difference <laughs> in a kid's life, a little boy whose dad is no longer in his life at age two, at age nine he meets a man and he says he wants to build a desk. And he gets his, and help me with this now, University of Central Florida, electrical engineering? Yes. Uh, master's degree. Master's degree, right. Where did he get his bachelor's? Uh, Cornell in physics. A bachelor's degree from Cornell in physics. Master's in electrical engineering from University of South, uh, Central Florida. Right. Central Florida. And now he's gainfully employed working with uh, and aiding the department, United States Department of, of Energy. Energy. Right. Correct. So if that does not enlighten South Florida, if that does not enlighten this world, then you need to wake up. <laughs> Correct. John, thank you My pleasure, for man. your service. My pleasure. It's only appropriate as we close out season two. We're back in the game of life. Ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, everybody out there can do something to help 
enlighten our community. Let's wake up everybody. Let's go. Wake up everybody, no more sleeping in bed. No more back to thinking, time for thinking ahead. This is The Game of Life. (laughs) 